Good morning, Good News Church. Would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God? Our passage today is out of Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham arose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, my son, he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on top of the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that your word is alive. I thank you that it has the power to separate soul from spirit. And I ask that you would possess Pastor Raphael as he brings your word today, that you would speak to each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to rearrange things in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, and in our lives. We surrender to you and we say, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Maureen. Now, I'm going to say something for you single gentlemen here right now. Maureen is single. That is not part of my notes. But if you don't have a strong relationship with Jesus, meaning you pray and read your Bible every day and attend church and serve at your local church and have a good job, do not even approach her. All right. Praise God. All right. We love that girl around here, so I want to make sure. No, uh, anyway, I'll stop there. (laughs) 
she said, go on. All right. So fantastic passage of scripture here. I love this scripture. God has been speaking through this passage to me for the last couple of weeks. And, and the way that this passage of scripture begins, it just grabbed my attention. This passage begins by saying, and God tested Abraham. God taste, tested Abraham. So why? Why would God test Abraham? What's the purpose of the testing? See, something happens through the testing. In the test is when we get closer to God. Through the test and when we begin to understand the nature of God. You know, through the times of testing, whether in the natural or in the spiritual, let's say you get tested by your teacher. Getting tested means that the teacher finds out how much you know and you find out how much you know as well. So it's, it's the same in a spiritual sense. God wants to reveal to us through the testing how much we know about ourselves, what is in us. In James chapter one, verse two, we, we read about this and it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you when you meet trials of various kinds, for, you know, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Did you hear what verse three says? The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Well, what is steadfastness? You know, it means to be fixed, to be immovable. So when our, our faith is tested, that means that our faith becomes immovable. It means that we are strong, that we have a solid foundation. You know, as believers, there is a, a very good step, first step, to passing the test. So when the test of faith comes to our lives, there is a very good step, first step, to passing the test. And that test is that, that first step is hearing and responding. Hearing and responding. Listen to what it says right after God tested Abraham. says that God said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. Abraham's response is very, very crucial for us. Why? Because it lets us know that Abraham wasn't only hearing God. He was also ready to respond. To God. See, an encounter with God demands a response. I'm going to say that again. An encounter with God demands a response. See, when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, and God says, Moses, Moses. Moses says, here I am, Lord. When Isaiah had a vision of the Lord high and lifted up, he said, here I am, Lord. Ananias in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when God have called him to go and minister to Saul of Tarsus, he said, Ananias. And what did Ananias said? Here I am. You know, we hear in first, in first Samuel chapter three, we read a great encounter between God, Eli, the priest and young Samuel. So that encounter went something like this. God was calling young Samuel, but young Samuel had no idea that it was God. 
He had never heard the voice of God. So every time that God called him three times, he will get up from his bed and go to the familiar voice, which it was the priest, Eli. So he went to Eli, the priest, and said, you're, you're calling me? He says, no, I'm not. Go back to bed. And that happened three times until the third time, then Eli perceived that it was God calling young Samuel. And this is what he said to Eli. He said to Eli, go lay down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Some of you have been called three times by God. And you do not perceive that it's the Lord calling you. And I'm here today to tell you that it is the Lord calling you. I want us to repeat this phrase. Repeat after me. Speak, Lord, for your servants hear. Good news, church. I strongly believe that that is the response that God wants from us at this hour. I strongly believe that God is asking us to respond Speak, Lord, your servants hear. As I said before, an encounter with God demands a response. So as we go back to our text in Genesis chapter 22, verse 3 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place where God has told him. You know, Abraham made some preparations. Abraham made some preparations for the journey. He made some preparations to that which God was calling him to. He woke up early in the morning. He cut the wood, saddled the donkeys, grabbed his two young servants and grabbed his son and let's go. That's what he was doing. He was making some preparations. You know the problem with many of us? That many of us spend all of our lives... In the preparation stage. And we never go. We spend all of our life preparing and preparing and preparing for what? That is like going through summer conditioning and fall camp and football. Talking to you guys. And then not showing up for the game. What would you say? That's dumb, right? Many of us do exactly that. There's a purpose for the preparation. And there is to go. Three things that I see here that I see here in this passage. As as I Abraham got ready to go. The first one is timing. See, God is very, very interested in when he does things. They do not take him by surprise. The timing of God is very, very important. And in this text, we see that Abraham got his marching orders and he said early in the morning. There was right there immediate obedience. See, because the late obedience is really disobedience, right? How many of you that have children, you will say, hey, go clean your room. Okay, dad, I'm going to clean my room. And an hour later, you come around and it looks like the, the, a tornado still just hit the room, right? And you just say, oh, he'll clean it later. Not I. I'd be ticked. And I'm sure you will too. And then when you go in and say, hey, buddy, how come you have not cleaned your room? Oh, I'll do it later, dad. I say, oh, okay. That's disobedience, right? Well, dad, but, but, but I was, I was, I was um, watching a show. Oh, I was doing this. It doesn't matter. 
When the father speaks, you respond. And that's what Abraham was doing here. Timing, very, very important. And then something else happened here was the provision. So we're paying attention to the timing. We're paying attention to the provisions. He went, saddled the donkey, cut the wood. He was getting ready some material, some things that he was going to need in order to go where, to where God was calling him to go. And it is the same in our lives. One of those things that he was, that he was using as a provision was to help him get there, the donkey. The other, the wood, was to bring glory to God. The third thing is the people, right? So when God calls us to go, there are people as well that are coming with you. And we see Abraham doing the same thing here. He got his two young servants and his son. Again, one of them was to help him get to the place he needed to go. And the second, his son, was to bring glory to God. Very, very important. So good news, church. I believe that as we continue and prepare to go, we must keep in mind those three things. And they are the when, the what, and the who. Again, I'm going to say that. The when, the what, and the who. And some of you are already saying, how about the how? We don't need to worry about the how. Just telling you that right now. Whenever I ask God how, he just tells me, trust me. (laughs) I'll leave that with you. So in verse number five, we read then that Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I don't know why God highlighted that at first. But then I realized, you know what? That which got you there cannot take you to the next level. Say that again. That, that which got you there cannot take you to the next level. The people or the stuff that got you to where you are cannot take you to the mountaintop. And I'm going to say this to you guys. So Pastor Walt has been saying, and he's communicated this on several occasions now, that as he sends the Spirit of God speaking to him and leading him, he said that if he stayed here, he will be hindering what God wants to do in and through Good News Church. And I want you to pay close attention to the example that Pastor Walt and Carrie are setting here. Because we tend to think very selfishly, right? We are self-centered many times. I'm guilty of that. And we think, well, yeah, if Pastor Will leaves, you know, uh, we can't go into our next season if he doesn't leave. Well, how about for him specifically? If he doesn't leave us, he cannot go to the mountain, to that place where God has for him. He cannot move to his next level. And let me tell you, some of you is the same way. God is asking you to leave something behind That unless you leave it, you cannot go to the next level. You cannot ascend the hill of the Lord. So. What. What do we do? Good news, church. What is it that we need to do in order to move to the next level? With God. Two things. Worship. And trust in his nature. Say that again. Worship. And trust in his nature. 
See Abraham in verse 5. He said, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. See, when Abraham was telling his young servants that he and the boy were going to worship, this was not singing songs on a Sunday morning. Even though it is awesome, it is amazing, it blesses God. But this sort of worship was not that type of worship. This worship was sacrificial worship, was sacrifice giving, was that Romans 12:1 kind of worship. Offer yourself, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. This is your what? Yes. This is, you know what? I'm going to give myself. I'm going to give my feelings. I'm going to give my desires. I'm going to give everything I am and whatever God's asked of me. And I'm going to give it to him so I may have all of him. I think that's a great exchange. What do I have to offer him that he hasn't already given me? See, this is the kind of worship, church, that takes us to the next level. This is the kind of worship that honors God. You know, and somebody here said, the greater the worship, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the worship. So what do we do to go to the next level? Great worship. That's a given of ourselves. Then on the rest of verse 5, Abraham says, as he says, I and the boy will go over there and worship. Check out what he says in this second part. And come again to you. The New Living Translation says, we will come right back. That's more my translation. We're going up to worship and we're going to come right back. What's happening here? How can Abraham make this statement? God asked Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. That means kill him. But he's telling his servants, I and the boy are coming right back to you. How can he say this? He's displaying great faith. And more than that, Abraham is displaying his trust in God's nature. How do we know that? Well, because Isaac was a promise. God promised Abraham his son Isaac. Genesis chapter 17, beginning in verse 15, says this. And God says to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her, call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. Verse 16, I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Let's stop right there. This is the promise from God directly to Abraham. He's saying you're going to have a son. And through this son, there will be kings and there will be nations that will come from your son. Therefore. When Abraham is talking to his servants, he said, we'll be right back. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering his up his only son. 
He was giving up the promise. He was willing to let it go. Verse 18. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. So Abraham knew. He said, you know what? I'm following God. I'm going this next level. And he had promised me this child. So if he's asking for me to offer him as a sacrifice, God has a plan. I don't know what the plan is, but even if he has to raise the boy from the dead, I'm good. See, Abraham knew that his God was not taking back his promise. Some of you need to hear that. Your God is not taking back your promise. Because our God is a covenant-keeping God. Our God is the God that never fails. As Pastor Jason was saying, just to transition, he is faithful. You know, there's something interesting that happened. Isaac, as a very smart boy, asked a question to his father. And he says, Father, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? I'll be asking the same question. <laughs> that we're missing a very important piece to the offering. But the answer that Abraham gives is phenomenal. It is so depicting of who Abraham knew God to be. Listen, he said in verse in verse eight, God will provide for himself a lamb, a lamb for the offering. My son. He's displaying again his trust in God. But that statement, God will provide for himself. Shows us what Abraham knew about the nature of God. See, God is keeping his promise, but not because of who Abraham is. God is keeping his promises because of who he is. See, and God is keeping the promises to Good News Church. And God is keeping his promises to you. Not because of who you are and because of who we are, even though we're amazing people. But because of who he is. And he is what? The author and the finisher of our faith. So that means that he's the one that wrote it. And he's the one that's going to see it through, baby. Yeah. You know, this is what happens after God gives Abraham the promise. And I know that you can't relate because I can't relate. Genesis seventeen seventeen says, after God tells Abraham that his wife is going to have a child and that there will be kings and nations from this child. seventeen seventeen says, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? I don't know what this sounds like to you, but it does not sound like faith to me. It says that he fell on his face. And normally in the Bible, when you hear somebody falls on their faith, it's to worship God on their face. He fell on his face and laughed. Now, how many of you can relate to this? When God says something or a promise comes up or somebody's praying for you and you're going through a baby and somebody says something and your first reaction is like, <laughs> okay, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. That's amazing. But in your head, you're like, yeah, right. I've been there. You know what's interesting? That I bet that there's a whole bunch of feelings after this reaction to the promise of God that Abraham is having. Because I've had them myself. Something like, man, you're such a failure. I can't believe you laughed. Wow, you're so stupid. I mean, you're a hypocrite. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What are the feelings that you go through as you display any amount of doubt? Well, let me tell you that there is a purpose, another purpose for the testing. And we see that right here in the same text that we are reading. Genesis 22, 11 and 12 say this. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. This is not on my notes, but um, but this here I am as the second here I am. And it's very crucial because after you started to move to where God says to go, there may be another response that's necessary. Anyway, he says in verse 12. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, the one whom you love from me. See, this is what happens in the testing. Abraham, now, despite his doubt, despite him laughing at God's promise, God says, You are faithful to Abraham. Our God is in the business of restoration. See what he's doing here. He's doing the same thing that he did to a guy named Simon Peter in the New Testament. You guys remember that guy? It was the guy that said, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll die for you, Jesus. And then he denied him three times. The night even knowing him. And in John chapter 21, Jesus appears after all that has happened in crucifixion and everything else. He appears and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You guys remember that? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. What was Jesus doing there? Guess what? Despite your failure, that does not disqualify you from the promise. Your failure does not disqualify you. And I am just speaking to you so you get it. That I know you love me. I know you love me. And he was just restoring Peter. See, Peter needed to hear him say, himself say these words. He needed to know. He needed to know. And Jesus gave him some assignments. Right after each one of those, do you love me? And here, with this statement that God makes, for now I know that you fear God. He's letting Abraham know this failure does not disqualify you from the promise. What have you done in your life that has you thinking that you have been disqualified? That that promise of God is now null and void because you laughed, because you doubted. 
Our God is faithful. And you have not been disqualified. He's in the restoration, restoration business. So in verse 14, it says, so Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. <clears throat> See, through the testing, Abraham now got another piece about God's nature and his character. See, had it not been for the testing and Abraham's obedience, he never would have known God as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. See, and we don't like the testing. The, test, the testing is uncomfortable. But it's through the testing that we receive revelation of God's nature, of God's true character. How is God going to reveal himself to Good News Church? How is he going to reveal himself to Pastor Walt and Carrie? And how is he going to reveal himself to you individually? I pray that through the testing of your faith, that God reveals himself in a new, fabulous way to you. So what would it take for us to go to the next level? Great worship and trusting in his character. How has he provided for you in the past? Think about that. What has been your ram in the thicket? He is faithful. And if he did it before, he's going to do it again. See what it says in Genesis 21. One says the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Exactly what he had promised. Second Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I want that to just really sink into your spirit. Because some of us may label ourselves as faithless. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. That's who he is. That's his nature. He is faithful. Will always be faithful. He's never changing the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it before, he will what? Do it again. Please stand. See, there's a list of promises that I have here on my notes. A list of promises that God has spoken over this body. And I'm going to just read some of them to you. It's a long list. Why am I doing that? So you realize that God has promised some things and that he will keep his promises. God has promised that good news is to be a holy hospital. That people from all over the world will come here to be healed. Again, not by man, but by the presence of God and his spirit. That good news is to be a beacon of light on the hill. We are a lighthouse on the hill, illuminating light 
into the darkness for all to see and be drawn to it. Listen to this one. A good news is to be an apostolic sending center to the world. We are to be sending missionaries and into missions and ministries across the globe. The good news prayer room is an epicenter for what God wants to do in our city and our nation and in our nation. That the Wednesday night prayer meeting is a furnace for the city and for the nation. And we've, we've been experiencing that. That God has chosen good news prayers as the voice of resistance on the earth. That prayers being made in this place are pushing back darkness even to the gates of hell. That the prayer is, that the prayer is victorious and advancing for the kingdom of God in Omaha and across the globe. Listen about this vision. There was a vision. There was a red fiery dot in the middle of the United States map and right over Omaha. And God was promising promising that the effectiveness of the prayer made in this place will bring revival to the nation beginning here at Good News. And we say, yes, Lord, do it. There's many more. There's one more recent one that the Lord gave to Pastor Walt almost a year ago now saying, I will do more in the next eight years in and through good news church than I have done in the last 80 years combined that is a promise and he who promised is faithful it's not about you keeping your end of the bargain it's about him keeping his end and he will do it now for you individually what promises have God made he has said I will never leave you nor forsake you I will be there for you I am your father, I'm your king, I am your savior, I'm your healer, I'm your provider, I'm your strength, I'm your peace, I'm your joy. How many more do you want? Those are the promises to you and I as children of the most high God. And today we stand on those promises. Now you may be here today and say, yeah, Raphael, but I have no relationship with Jesus. I've never given Jesus my life, all of me, as my act of worship to receive him. So if you have never taken a step from darkness into light, there's a very, very important promise. And the Lord has said that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if that's you this morning, I want to see your hands. I want to see your hands. Okay. See that? See that hand, ma'am? See that hand? Now, this call for you is for those that have never given their life to Jesus. This is a promise specifically for you. Let me pray for those of you that lift your hands. Father, I know the way that you changed me and that you transformed me. And I didn't have to come to an altar. And I did not have to recite a prayer. All I had to do was ask Jesus to transform me. 
If that's you this morning, just say, Jesus, change me. Change me from the inside out. I want to give you my life. Just say it in your own words. Just relinquish control. Give it all to him because he is faithful. And you will be saved. And not only saved, you begin into a journey to go from glory to glory. Thank you, Jesus. Now, for those of you that are around here, these altars will be open. And Morgan is going to go into a, a, a quick chorus. And if God has some promises, some things that he has promised you and you have laughed or that you have put the promise aside because it's been so long now, come talk to him and declare his faithfulness and declare who he is, declare his nature and his nature and trust him and worship him. Let me pray for you before I get off this podium. Father, I pray for your people. I trust that you have spoken through your word, that you have pierced their minds and hearts. For I know that your word penetrates, O oh God. Father, now I trust that your spirit will strengthen him, them. And I pray that your spirit will overtake them, overshadow them, O oh God. That they may move, leave the things behind that they need to leave behind so that they may move into a place of total worship and surrender to you. A place, oh God, where your glory dwells. A place where you will reveal yourself in a new, magnificent way to them, Lord. I place them in your hands, oh God. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Your face.